African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Good morning and welcome to yet another installment of African Dialogue. You tune to Channel Africa, your gateway to Africa, bringing news from an African perspective. I'm Ayanda Mkwanazi, your host, and we're currently on the frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. According to the United Nations, the International Day of Democracy provides an opportunity to review the state of democracy in the world. Democracy is as much a process as a goal, and only with the full participation of and support by the international community, national governing bodies, civil society, and individuals can it be enjoyed. An article in the Daily Nation says that the state of democracy in Africa is one of the most controversial and difficult questions facing the continent today. The article continues to ask the questions whether Africa is getting more or less democratic, why have so many countries become stuck in a murky middle ground between democracy and authoritarianism? Now, to help us unpack this discussion, we are joined on the line by Dr. Chek Achu, who's a senior research specialist at the Africa Institute of South Africa, which is a unit of the Human Sciences Research Council. Good morning and thank you, Dr. Chek. Good morning and thank you for having me. We also have Ibrahim Fakir, who's the director of programs at the AWOL Socioeconomic Research Institute, ASRI, and a part-time lecturer at the Witt School of Governance. Thank you so much, Ibrahim. Hi, good morning, and good uh, morning to your listeners. Now, perhaps as a start, uh, Dr. Chek, we can just draw a picture as to can Africa be regarded as a democratic continent? I mean, looking at it holistically. Uh, yeah, generally, yes. But if one you know, goes further to interrogate the notion of democracy, then we might say we still have a long way to go. As, as you said in your intro, we really still have a very long way to go because uh, if, if, uh, if democracy is all about legitimacy, there are, uh, there are a lot of governments on the continent that still lack, you know, you know, that kind of legitimacy that we really want, you know, on, on, on the, the kind of legitimacy that we breed uh, the kind of confidence that people will actually look at the government and say, look, this is my government, this is the government that has come, it is the government that provides the that I have to, to grow as an individual. So if we look at the democracy in a broader sense, I would say we really have a long way to go. Mm. Would you say that democracy is then supposed to ev- evolve, Dr. Chek? Definitely, definitely. You know, if you want to look at uh, democracy, especially on the African continent, which democracy do we really, or which government, I don't really want to talk about democracy, which government on the continent is really rooted in the African way of doing things? Because for me, I think, you know, if you if you are coming with something, a, a government structure that really does not talk to my traditions, it doesn't talk mm. to my values, it doesn't talk to who I am. So how am I then going to accept that particular concept of government that, that, that you're preaching? You know, so basically those are some of the issues. For me, I think 
from the first time when we incorporate these values, you know, into our system of government, that I could actually say we've arrived at the point where democracy talks to the people on the continent. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Ibrahim, if I take from the answers just given by Dr. Chek that African democracy should also represent African realities and challenges um, facing Africa, which is what he, he's, he's alluding to. Would you agree with that sentiment? No, not at all, simply because I think it's, uh, it's a lot of nonsense. And I'll tell you why. Not mm. because democracies shouldn't be responsive to the conditions in which they're set, but simply because the aspects of democracy are actually universal. So I don't know what would be particularly or specifically African about the fact that democracy is actually about shifting the focus away from political leaders, from systems, from processes towards the actual people. So you've got to ask a question. To what extent are the people and the practices of government anchored amongst and within the people? The second, and there's nothing peculiarly African about this either, is that democracy is about the enjoyment of specific types of rights. That means the right to Mm. express yourself, the right to speak, the right to hold a set of beliefs, the right to organize, the right to associate, and so forth. So there's nothing specifically African about the way in which that happens. I mean, you might have particular and specific forms of social organization that might be African, that might be particular to certain types or parts of the world, but they're not peculiarly, in essence, specific about that to Africa. The third is that democracy is about limits on authority and limits on the exercise of power. Mm -hmm. So you've got to ask yourself now, I mean, what can be specifically or peculiarly African about the way in which you limit the exercise of power and authority or how you exercise your rights? Fourth, is that democracy is about a process, the way you go about making decisions. And there's nothing specifically European or African or Western or whatever else about that process. So irrespective of how you define democracy, where you want to lay the stress of emphasis on, these are specific values which are universal, which don't have an anchoring within a society. It is only its practice which must take a locally embedded form. In that sense, I would agree with the good doctor. But otherwise, I'm not sure, I'm not sure that we accord but now, if it's universal democracy, then surely there are some African countries which are not enjoying this universal democracy that you've just described here um, that's away from political um, influence and so forth. No, because I think mm. we, all, we also conflate terms. And I would not say that there is no country on the African continent which is not democratic because in many, many of them have certain forms of democracy depending on how you want to define it. But do they have democratic governance, which is a very different kettle of fish? And democratic governance is Mm. fundamentally about the separation of powers, limits on the exercise of authority or the amount of authority you've got. But it's also about how you go about acquiring that power, how you go about acquiring the authority. And in many of those instances, of course, we know, uh, if you think about many parts of the African continent to the north of us, Mm. power is acquired in ways which are not competitive. It's not about a fair contest. It's about a manipulation of rules. It's about manipulating electoral processes. So the process by which you go about acquiring the power is completely wrong. Therefore, if it follows that if governance is a 
byproduct of politics and your politics are rotten or your politics are bad, then of course your governance is going to be bad. Then democratic politics is about contestation, about a contest of ideas, about competition and so forth. Now if the process by which you go about acquiring that power is rotten, then obviously the democratic governance it follows is going to be rotten. And I think that's mm. part of the problem. It's part of the problem is that our problem is about governance, not specifically about democracy, say. Mm, mm. Um, you know, Dr. Archuchek, when um, Ibrahim is making that elaboration, I'm just remembering that there's an article I read in the Daily Nation um, by Nick Cheeseman where he actually classifies the different states of democracy in Africa, saying there are certain countries where it's one group where they're enjoying um, yeah, democracy in terms of there's a, a healthy political system, the economy is sort of flourishing. You know, this is where South Africa falls in, um, Botswana. And then we have another set of countries where democracy, sort of the process of democracy is a bit delayed. Like we saw in, in, in Zimbabwe, we're seeing protests in the DRC as we're going towards um, the elections in December. What then do we do, we do to sort of um, understand the different uh, challenges facing those countries, but yet leading towards that universal democracy that um, Ibrahim was emphasizing earlier. No, there's nothing like universal democracy. I think that that, that should be a fact. Who sets that tone? Who sets who sets the tone for that particular democracy? And how does it represent the people on the continent, especially our people who are still very much rooted in their traditional ways of life? You know, so that that, that, that is where my, my 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 problem lies with this issue of a universal victim that needs that all African countries need to comply to. You know, we, we, we've all been trying to comply to this international standard, and it, 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 it is not working. It has not worked on the continent, you know. Besides, you know, we keep talking about the issue. I think the fundamental question here is, mm. you know, no, no, what form of state do we even actually, you know, are we, are we talking about on the continent? If we look critically, what happened in the 1960 on the continent was just, um, you know, a change of, uh, of, of of, of, of chairs, you know, the departing colonialists, you know, they left their chairs to the petty African bourgeois who have been hell bent on maintaining that system of accumulating, you know, resources at the, at the detriment of the people on the continent. You know, mm. the, 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 for me, if we have to talk about democracy on the continent, how do, you know, a person in the royal far-flung area in mm. the eastern DLC benefits from the resources of that particular country. You know, I've traveled on the continent. I've seen places where even the, the pygmies in, in, in the Central Africa sub-region, so to speak, you know, have been arrested, mm. you know, uh, thrown in jail because of the way in which they live their lives. So to speak, you know, they live their lives, you know, in 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 the, in, 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 in the forest, you know, uh, they, 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 they they hunt, they hunt, they gather, but you I have to arrest somebody because he particularly he, he gathered a particular food that is protected, protected, you know, protected by who? Mm. Who sets that particular standard? You know, th- 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 these are some of the critical issues which, for me, I think we need to put on the table as. Africa, you see, what, what, who, who sets the standards? Mm-hmm. You know, who, 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 who put the data to say that this kind of governance system is universal? 
what what obtain in England is definitely not going to obtain somewhere in 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 in, in far flung, you know, Ghana, uh, uh, for example. Mm, mm. So for me, th- th- these are some of the issues for democracy to be able to work on the continent. We need to root it within our African system of real ways of life. If we if we don't do that, we'll, we'll keep on repeat. There was this debate, you know, during the Mbeki era of what kind of you know state do we want in in, in South Africa? The, mm. the, the the people talk about African developmental state, Ubuntu, and so on and so forth. We are still to finalize that particular debate. You know, up to today, we really don't understand what kind of state do we want on the country. Even before we start talking about the governance system, yeah. we, we, we still don't even understand the kind of state that we, that we want on the continent, or that will work on the continent. Mm. So for me, that is even where we, this particular issue of democracy should start. The issue of uh, uh, democracy being an, a universal system, uh, for me, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. And, and, and for, for one critical reason, that who sets that particular standard mm-hmm. and why should I use it? Well, thank you. You're listening to African Dialogue with myself, Ayandam Kwanazi. I want you to just hold it there, Dr. Uh, Chick. Let's go for a quick break and then I'll come to you, Ibrahim. Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it was one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time. 1,000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective. Welcome back to African Dialogue. You're listening to um, Ayanda Mkwanazi uh, standing in for Benjamin Moshatama. Now, um, Ibrahim, you know, um, I sort of understand where Dr. Chek is coming from because he's raising issues of um, almost pers- possibly touching on certain inequalities that, um, that people experience on the, on, on, on the continent. And I hear you saying that, you know, uh, democracy shouldn't really be... Um, depend on 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 whether you people have access to certain things but it should really be something exercised uh, that comes uh, um universal as as you're saying but let's look at cap- no that's not what i'm saying and i think perhaps that's the misunderstanding and the conceptual sort of slippage that both you and uh, dr check uh, is making okay this is not the system that's universal because that would mean why would you have separate countries you just have one universal democracy so understand specifically what i'm saying mm. the essence of the values are universal now anyone who says that the values are not universal is probably talking about something else okay. what can be ununiversal about the fact that you want to enjoy certain rights as a rights exercised differently by the or should rights be be exercised differently by different people because mm-hmm. then you are saying that there's some people who are more equal or unequal than others and you know mm-hmm. what that sounds like mm-hmm. that sounds like apartheid 
So if you tell me democracy is about a separation of powers, then what you are telling me is that we must go back to the old systems of feudal lords whose powers must not be checked. They must be able to use power unfettered and however they choose to use it. Mm. Okay, if you tell me democracy has can't be universal or the, or, the, or the essence of the values of democracy are universal, you are saying that process doesn't matter. Just go about doing things as you feel like. So that's what you're telling me. If mm-hmm. you're telling me that, no, we must now, you know, there's nothing universal about this essence. There's nothing universal about the values. Then you must tell me whether you think people shouldn't all enjoy the same rights mm-hmm. or whether you don't think that, you know, limits on government or limits on the exercise of authority or power is necessary. Because then you're actually talking about fundamental Mm. inequalities. Mm. When you Mm. talk about economic inequality, you're talking about an entirely different order of things. You're talking Mm. about the distribution of resources. And that, of course, is because of the nature of power and influence exercised by different powers Mm. in different ways. Mm. Now, Dr. Cech is right about the fact that at this point of transition on the continent, what you had is a mode of transference of institutions and governance which may not have been anchored to local conditions. That is, again, a misunderstanding precisely Mm. that he is making relating to what I'm saying when I say that it's not the system Mm. that is universal, it is the values. So what you do is you take a value and you say, okay, if we want all Africans to be able to exercise rights, mm-hmm. then we can't say that the political elite, the, the post-colonial political elite must have more rights than ordinary citizens. Yes. And that's the mistake that was made at the point of the transition. Mm-hmm. Political elites thought that all power should accrue to them because historically they presided over the decolonization process or liberation struggles or whatever it is. So they created the inequalities between themselves and citizens. Mm. Okay. Maybe then I should pose this question uh, to you, Ibrahim. Uh, how, how influential or powerful would you say is the, di- um, the judiciary in the promotion and advancement of democracy? Well, I think the judiciary is powerful and Mm. ought to be powerful, but its power and authority should be derived from its independence and its expertise. Not because the judiciary is handpicked, selected by those in power. And so I think the judiciary is vital. The the judiciary's vitality is entirely dependent on 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 its objectivity, on its independence, the process of appointing the judiciary mm. also should not be left solely to those in power. Uh, you have things, for example, like judicial services commissions, mm. uh, which are inclusive not just of political parties and people in government, but also people who practice in the legal profession, people who are in the existing judiciary, uh, some members of civil society drawn from NGOs, others drawn from other citizen groups, mm. and they then go through the process of appointing judges um, and so forth. But, you know, the judiciary's independence is not the only thing. What matters is the rule of law, yes. uh, if you want an effective judiciary. And you can only have an effective rule of law if you literally equalize the amount of influence that is exercised by those in power with those who are not in power, that is citizens. And, and this is part of our problem. We have viewed democracy as a system and democratic governance as a system 
which is entirely skewed towards the political elites, whether it's the judiciary, whether it's those in the executive, whether it's parliament. But we all believe that, you know, this is about political parties. It's about big men. It's about the big leaders. Actually, it's not. Democracy and democratic governance is actually about us, the citizens. The system of democratic governance is that those people in power, whether it's the judiciary or anyone else, is actually an instrument who is meant to serve us. We're not meant to serve them. And that's the misnomer, I think, that we've got about the idea Mm. of democracy. Mm. Mm. Um, Dr. Cech, what's what's your take on that question on on, on the influence of the judiciary in the promotion of, of, of democracy? Yeah, I, I, I think I, I also want to take my cue from Ibrahim to say, yes. you know, for us to be able to have this kind of equal access, you know, uh, the, the, the one should go further to uh, how uh, uh, judges and magistrates are, first of all, appointed, you know, to the bench, because I think that is critical. I think the role of civil society in the appointment of uh, judges and civil society should be, should be critical, because, you know, um, uh, most of the people that usually need these services are, are, are not really, you know, your high-flying uh, uh, politicians and business people, but usually those right down there at the far-flung areas of Africa, which for me, I think, you know, they are the ones that need to be prioritized when it comes to issues of uh, access to, to to the law courts, to, to, uh, mm. to, to the judiciary, so, so, so to speak. So for me, I think for, for the for for the, for the judiciary should be to be able to 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 play this important role in terms of uh, you know regulating the uh, you know political processes and you know on the continent those are some of the critical issues especially the appointment of judges should be prioritized and you know the the civil society should actually play an important role in this particular aspect Mm-hmm. Mm. And, and and you know we also have maybe uh, some uh, one of the other things we could raise would be the tribal rulers. Where did they, where would you fit them in when it comes into a democratic system, Doctor Check? Yeah, I think uh, one important aspect as well is it's not just to look, you know, generally at the the retributive aspect of of the judicial. I think restorative is is, is also very key. Uh, uh, we see in, in in Rwanda, for example, after the Rwandan genocide, where you know the traditional authority, the Yamgo, played an important role in the, in in the Kachacha process, which was more of an alternative form of of justice that uh, you know the government the post-genocide government put in place, you know, similar to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in, in, in South Africa. So for me, I think um, it is also important. It is important that, you know, uh, in, in, in particular cases, in particular circumstances, the issue of setting or maybe special courts mm-hmm. where, you know, traditional authorities should be able to sit and discuss on, especially with issues relating to traditional affairs, so to speak, you mm-hmm. know, you know, issues of land, you know, fight over land and so on and so forth. Those are some of the issues that for me I think, you know, an alternative form of justice, an alternative form Mm. of looking at the law should actually be considered going forward. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm very interested, uh, Ibrahim, just before we go for a break on um, where would you say tribal rulers would come in 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 this democratic system? 
Well, I mean, look, you know, the question of traditional authorities mm. is, uh, and I wouldn't want to call them tribal authorities because they <laughs> have very sort of colonial overtones. Yes. But the thing about traditional authorities is mm. this, is that Africa as a continent, as we are moving in this transition, we are caught in a warp between tradition and modernity. Now, in this warp, uh, Ayanda, if, mm-hmm. you, if you think, okay, traditional leaders have an important role to play, and they do, the question for me is should they have a role to play in massive exercise of public authority mm. or must we restrict their role in the private realm on the question of local disputes, uh, perhaps local land use patterns, mm. Mm. local economic development, and perhaps in the realm of culture and tradition, not in the exercise of public authority. Because you see, here's the problem that many societies are facing. Mm. Some give a special representation to to traditional authorities, either through a house of traditional leaders or create special set-aside seats for them in either senates or or upper houses of parliament or in parliament, right? Now what happens is you incentivize these traditional leaders Mm. to start taking political party sides. Because remember, once you go to parliament and you put things to vote, these guys now have a right to vote, right? Mm. Yes. So, so you start you start politicizing them. You start mm. saying, "Shit! If you need, if we need to rely on these people's votes, we need to induce them to vote with us in a particular way." Mm. So then they become party political. They start playing a role in exercising traditional authority. Mm. But more importantly, remember the earlier point I made, I'm saying we got to decide: do we want to go back to old feudal relations, where so much power? and authority is exercised in specific individuals. I'm not sure we want to go there. Mm. So I think what we need to do is take traditional authorities, say many of you still play an important role in spite of the fact that large parts of the African continent are now urbanizing, no longer in the rural areas. Mm. Um, Maybe some parts of the continent are different, but certainly sub-Saharan Africa, or at least southern Africa, is, is, is becoming much more urban rather than rural. And in that mm-hmm. instance, refine the role of traditional authorities to local economic development, to traditional affairs, and specifically in the private realm, private law, rather than in public law. Mm. Thank you so much. That's the voice of Ibrahim Fakir. And I'm also talking to Dr. Chek Aichi. You're listening to African Dialogue. We're going to go for a quick break, and then we're going to try and wrap things up. Welcome to Change Your Game on Channel Africa, the African perspective. We are coming to you from Johannesburg, right here in South Africa. I'm Asanda Beda, your host. Change Your Game, the program that promotes open discussion and social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the African entrepreneurship ecosystem. Trevor Mumba now joins us in studio to talk about his entrepreneurial and personal journey. Welcome to Change Your Game, Trevor. Thank you so much. Um, it's an honor to be here. Palesa Mukubong, who's a designer. Welcome, Palesa, to Change Your Game. Thank you. Your role at the fourth annual Fashion Without Borders event. I just know that I need to arrive and, and, <laughs> okay. and do my part and do it really, really well. Hello. To celebrate African women's achievements, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy, listen to Humanity, 
Women in Unity, an advocacy radio program against all forms of gender-based discrimination and violence against women. Humanity, Women in Unity, on Channel Africa every Thursday at 5 past 10 Central African Time and every Sunday at 5 past 6 Central African Time. Humanity, Women in Unity, with Dr. Amalea Gonez-Malka. Every Thursday at 5 past 10 Central African Time and every Sunday morning at 5 past 6 Central African Time. Channel Africa, celebrating African women's achievements. The voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective. Welcome back. You are listening to African Dialogue. It's 25 minutes to 12. We're going to be having our sports news and our econ news in a short while. But just to wrap up our conversation, um, Dr. Chek, how do we go forward as democratic countries in Africa, um, taking into consideration you know, the unique challenges that each, country's, each country uh, may be facing? It, it, it is critical for us to actually relook at the governance structures on the continent. Uh, I, I, for me, I think uh, we've been looking east for quite some time now, and uh, most of the eastern tigers, you know, they do have this kind of governance structures that is rooted within their cultural, you know, system. Shouldn't we also, since we have been looking that the side of the of the wall, shouldn't we also copy from what they are doing, you know, to see to it that African countries, uh, you know, are governed, you know, not necessarily going to the feudal system which Abraham is talking about, but to pick certain aspects of our values, certain aspects of our tradition that can actually address the critical challenge that we are facing currently on the continent, which is, you know, which is about the redistribution of the resources that we do have on the continent. You know, we, 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 we've been talking about, you know, inter-African trade accounting for less than 10% of, uh, of African global trade. Shouldn't we now start looking at, you know, measures through which we can actually influence, you know, Africa, you know, Africans to trade among themselves, you know? So shouldn't we also look at other ways which we can actually handle our 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 differences, our ethnic differences, so to speak. You know, so for me, I think we need to relook at some of these issues. You know, our, the post-colonial elite they tried. You know, I, you know, uh, Nyerere tried. You know, in in in, in Tanzania. You know, we've heard about Ujama. We've heard about Harambe. We've heard about other forms of African governance system that you know the post-colonial elite tried but failed. Isn't it time that you know that we should look at other forms of government that we think can actually address the current challenges that we have on the continent, especially that of poverty that I mentioned about. So for me, I think we, we, we need to, we, we, it's not about the issue of going back to the drawing table, but I think we need to put our heads together and see to it that what are the issues that have worked in other parts of the of the world and how can we borrow from some of those particular, because we, we, we can't live in isolation. We, we are in a global village, as many have been saying. We can't live in isolation. We borrow from where it has worked and, you know, we add to the little that we do have on the continent and come up with something that is unique that can actually address the challenges that we are currently facing on the continent. For me, I think that is where, you know, we should start from. 
I'd like to ask you the same question, but also to, to, to you know, beyond going forward as, a demo, as democratic countries, but what about the effects of uh, countries like China, you know, where they bring in investments in Africa? Does that, in a way, compromise uh, our democracy? Well, uh, and you're asking an encyclopedic question there. I mean, <laughs> the question, you know, you're assuming that mm. much of the investment comes in and it's purely sort of either utilitarian mm. that serves their purpose or our purpose or or it is purely extractive and exploitative. And I'm not sure. I think the truth somewhere lies somewhere in between. Mm. The reality is that new forms of trade, uh, particularly with China, and, and, and looking east, I hear Dr. Cech talking about looking east, the problem is that many of those societies developed not because they were democratic. They developed, if you want to call what they did development, because they were autocratic, because mm. they were authoritarian. So if you want democratic systems of governance, then that's not the place to look. The place to look, in my view, actually, is to the Scandinavian countries, because here was a model of redistributive democracy and redistributive systems of democratic governance which actually benefited the broad swath of society. The problem, however, we face on the continent, particularly in countries like South Africa, which is different from both the East Asian tigers as well as Scandinavian countries, is that firstly those countries, well, at least not in Asia, but though the Scandinavian countries had a small population size, mm. so it was much easier. The second, which is what those two countries share, what those two societies share in common, whether it's East Asia or Scandinavia, is that they are relatively homogenous. They don't have the internal social cleavages, whether it be race, whether it be uh, 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 ethnic identities, whether it be gender, age discrimination, and so forth. They don't have those kind of cleavages as we do. And we have those cleavages which have historically been conditioned mm. to be part of the elite. Now, what you've got to do, in my view, is you've got to break the power and influence of the political elite. Citizens have got to not allow political elites to exploit the underlying social differences and social cleavages, whether it be our ethnic identities, whether it be our language, whether it be our religion, whether it be our race. Because in many parts of the continent, many of the social conflicts are fueled by political elites who exploit these identity cleavages. Mm. So we as a society, if we want democratic systems of governance to work, have got to not incentivize politicians. In fact, we must punish them mm. if they want to exploit these differences, firstly. Secondly, those who are corrupt, we must not allow them to get away by saying in the name of corruption, we did it because the whites did it. Or what about the whites? What about these people? Or to use ethnic identities. These so in Kenya, they say, oh no, these people historically always benefited. It's our turn now. Or anywhere else where you use religion mm. or ethnic identity or language as an excuse for doing the wrong thing, those people need to be punished. Mm. You want things to work, the rule of law has to work. You cannot have a culture of no consequence. People get away because they've got big names. People get away because they are connected to political elites. In large parts of Tanzania, large parts of Kenya, the customs and revenue services don't work properly because big businessmen who import goods are connected to political elites. They don't pay the duties that they have to pay. They don't pay the excise and the taxes. Public revenue suffers, mm. but private revenues benefit. Once you have that kind of culture of no consequence, 
you will never have the resources that you can properly distribute through welfare systems, mm. through good public service provision. One of the simple ways out of the morass we have is to provide good quality public services. If mm. you provide good health care, good education, which is on par with what you can get in the private sector, you will suddenly start to reduce not just corruption, but you will give power to citizens to be able to think for themselves and do what they need to do as a productive citizen. Thank you so much. Well, the rule of law has to work. Those words have definitely stuck in my mind uh, today. Thank you so much, Ibrahim Fakir, who is the Director of Programs at the AWOL Socioeconomic Research Institute and a part-time lecturer at the Witt School of Governance. Thank you also on the line, Dr. Chek Achu, who is a Senior Research Specialist at the Africa Institute of South Africa, which is a unit of the Human Sciences Research Council. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for giving us your time and those insights. 